Today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. Every single day that you wake up, God has a purpose for your life. And He has a mission for you. But are you willing to take that mission? Are you willing to say, I'm here I am, I'm willing to serve you today? Or is it, no, I don't really want to deal with it today. Uh, I'm going to continue on my path. Well, that heart is not right. In, in fact, it goes against the obedience of God. And if it's our heart, we must repent from that because as believers, we must do all things to the Lord Jesus Christ. God has a plan and He uses people to complete His purposes. He has a mission for us. And if Jesus is our master, we have to do what He says. We will learn today that Saul did not follow exactly what God had told him to do. Pastor Eric will teach that selfishness produces disobedience, which gives birth to consequences. Well, let's join Pastor Eric for part one of his message entitled, Obedience Required. All right, if you guys have your Bibles, let's open them up to 1 Samuel chapter 15. Title of the message, Obedience Required. Uh, obedience Required. As we have been journeying through the book of 1 Samuel uh, in these f- last couple weeks, uh, thus far we've seen that Saul has been busy about focusing upon himself. Uh, in chapter 14, Saul commands the people to take an oath, and this oath was a crazy oath. If you guys remember, the oath was that he would not allow the people to eat until he had victory over all of his enemies. Insane, right? That's just an insane oath, especially when your people have been fighting hard. They need the nourishment of the food physically. Uh, but again, Saul was focused upon himself. And, and the results of this crazy oath that Saul put out there with this, uh, number one, Jonathan, his own flesh and blood, he didn't hear of the oath and he ate some of the honey that they found in the forest. And uh, <laughs> he ate it and all the people started freaking out like, oh my goodness, you ate the honey and you weren't supposed to. And he's like, why? He's like, your dad said not to, to eat until the, the armies have been defeated. And, and the result of him eating that is that Saul wanted to kill his own son. Uh, just don't understand that. But that's Saul, again, thinking of himself. Number two, the people were so hungry that they killed the animals before them and they ate them raw, you know, because they were so hungry and, and it drove them to sin because this broke the law of God because they went in and they started feasting upon the animal that wasn't cooked and they were dealing with blood, which was unclean amongst the Israels in the law of God. And so Saul, not thinking of the people and, and just serving them, he was thinking of himself, caused the, his own people that he was leading to sin, which is not a good thing. And so the conclusion is, is that Saul was not being led by God uh, and, and he was just merely just acting out of his flesh. Well, tonight we will see that selfishness produces disobedience, which gives birth to consequences. I'll say it again. Selfishness produces disobedience, which gives birth to consequences. Uh, and we see this even in the Bible. In James chapter 1, verse 15, the verse tells us, Then when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. I would say that that would definitely produce a consequence, right? For the wages of sin is death. Now, there is consequences for every action. Every action that takes place, good and bad, there's a consequence. There's an action, or there's a, what is it, action for every reaction, or is it the other way around? 
doesn't matter. You guys know what I'm saying. There's an action for everything, okay? There's a consequence. And here's this quote. I really like this quote. And it says this, there's always consequences to your actions. Before you act, make sure you're prepared for them. Isn't that a good quote? You know, there's a consequence for your action. Make sure you're prepared for them before you do them. Author is unknown, but I thought that was interesting. So let's dive into it tonight. We'll start by reading verses 1 through 4, and we'll see that God is going to fulfill his plan. Verse 1 of chapter 15, Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. And do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Italium, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. So here we go, guys. Let's look at some observation here that we see in the Word of God. Uh, first off, that the Lord gives Saul a mission. He gives him a mission, right? A task to complete. And the mission was to destroy the Amalekites. And the Lord started this mission with Moses. And Moses started this mission to come against the Amalekites. You would see it in Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. This is the battle, you guys, when Moses got on top of the hill and Joshua was down with the Israelites and they were fighting against the Amalekites. And every time that Moses had his arms up, that the Israelites would be winning. Do you guys remember that story? Do you remember that, that battle scene? But when his arms grew tired, what happened? Israel began to start to lose. And so her and Aaron got on the sides of uh, Moses and lifted up his arms. And then the Lord brought victory. This is the conclusion of what God was doing against the Amalekites. I mean, check this promise out from God to Moses in Exodus chapter 17, verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven, okay? So God is telling Moses that he is going to blot out these people. All the way back with Moses, okay? And so now we see the promise of God coming forth uh, through Saul. Saul was God's chosen vessel to complete this mission. Unbelievable, right? I mean, it's just amazing, And so the Lord gives Saul the plan. Utterly destroy all that they have. Do not spare them. Kill the man, kill the woman, kill the infant, kill the nursing child, the ox, the sheep, the camel, and even the donkey. The plan? Destroy everything. So the Lord gives Saul the physical support. We see in our text that God gave uh, Saul... 200,000 foot soldiers, and then 10,000 men of Judah. So 210,000 soldiers. 
Now, if you recall, this number is a whole lot different from the army that Saul gathered. Do you guys remember the number that when Saul gathered his own army? 3,000. So when the Lord is on a mission, God will bring support. So if God gives a mission, God will give support. It's truth. And we see this right here in our text. God gives them the mission, and God gives them the support that he needs to carry out the mission. And, you know, oftentimes, you guys, our role is unknown. What is God using us for in the season? Oftentimes, we don't know, right? God has everything, though, planned out. Uh, He knows the beginning, and he knows the end of all things. He involves man in his plans, which I think is pretty awesome. God involves man in his plans, which is pretty sweet, because he doesn't have to use us, but he uses us so that he could get the glory, you know, because of who we are, you know. It's like, wow, these people can do that? Well, no, it's not them doing it. It's God doing it, you know. So bring glory to his holy name, you know. And and so as believers, we don't always know our role in God's plan, you know. What we do know about God's plan is this, towards believers. This is his thoughts. Uh, a verse that we're very familiar, but took a different spin at it in a different translation. Jeremiah 29, 11, New Living Translation. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So even though you don't know your role in God's plan, know God's plan for you. It's for good and to give you a hope. That's pretty awesome, I would say. And so as we as believers, we have different roles that God uses us. You know, God used two different men here in our text to fulfill his plan against the Amalekites. And we as believers, again, we have different roles. And we need to understand that, that there is a role for each one of us in God's plan. Even with us sitting in the church tonight, this is part of God's plan for you. Does that make sense? It's pretty awesome pretty great. In the church in Corinth, they had a problem. Their problem was this. Many of them were saying, I I follow Paul. I'm of Paul. Well, that's great. I'm a Paul. And I follow uh, Apollos. You know, I'm from his camp. I like to follow his teachings. Well, Paul addressed this problem, and and he said this uh, in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 through 7, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Paul's heart to the church was this. Hey, it doesn't really matter who's doing what role. It's God who's bringing the increase. You know, it's God who's doing this. And that's whose name needs to be lifted up and glorified and to say, I'm under God. I'm not under man. I'm under God, you know. And so Paul was making this known to the church because it doesn't matter what your role is because God brings the increase. God completes the work. And I say hallelujah to that because if if it was up to man, it would be a disaster. The outcome of the work would be a disaster. And unfortunately, (laughs) by God's grace and by him giving us free will, some things are completed by man and you do see that they are a disaster. Because again, God has to bring the glory to himself through his people. It's all about his name being glorified. Paul said this, you guys, for we are God's fellow workers. 
You are God's field. You are God's building, 1 Corinthians 3, 9. We, that's pretty neat. We are God's fellow workers. Uh, man, to think what he is doing in this world, to think about the amazing things that he has done, to think that you and I are considered to be his fellow workers, what a blessing that is. To just say, I'm a fellow worker of God. Man, that's something to take home and just rest your head on a pillow and say, man, I'm a co-worker of Christ. Man, powerful stuff, you guys. We are God's fellow workers, and it doesn't matter what you do as long as you do it faithfully unto the Lord. Because every work matters to God. Every work matters to Him. No matter if you think it's small, insignificant, just you think that no one even cares about that. If you're doing it because God has put it on your heart, then it matters. It matters to him. Even if man doesn't recognize it, it matters to the king. And that should just drive your heart to continue to be faithful to him. And so we see that God is continuing his work. You know, he has a, he has a plan and he uses different people to complete his plan. And these first four verses of 1 Samuel give a very great example of that. Well, let's go on and see how when man gets involved, what happens. Because we see in verses 5 through 9, Saul gets to work with himself. <laughs> Crazy. But here we go. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. In verse 7, And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agog, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. In verse 9, But Saul and the people spared Agog and the best of the sheep and the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. Here we go again, you guys. Saul starts out well, doesn't he? He starts out well, and, and he goes to the Kenites. And the Kenites, just to let you guys know who they were, they were from the lineage of Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. And so he lets the Kenites go. But then as he sees, uh, we see that Saul starts out so strong, he's being obedient, he's following through the, on the mission that God put before him. He starts out strong, but he finishes poorly, doesn't he? He finishes poorly. I mean, first off, he spares the king of the people that he's supposed to utterly destroy. Does that make any sense? It's almost like he held him as a trophy to say, hey, we've got their king. I don't know his heart, but maybe that's the heart behind it. But then not only did he hold back from killing their king, he then spared the best sheep and the oxen. And I'm pretty sure from what I read in the first five verses, God's word to him was what? Kill everything. Even the sheep, the oxen, infant, nursing child. Everything needed to be killed. But Saul, leading the people, they were unwilling, unwilling to utterly destroy everything of the Amalekites. 
That just bums me out because <laughs> here God was so clear speaking to him the word and yet he still was disobedient. He had an unwilling heart to be obedient to God. In order to, for one to achieve obedience, one must be willing to obey. If you want to be obedient, you have to check your heart and say, heart, self, am I willing to be obedient? Because if you're not willing to be obedient, you will not be obedient. As much as you want to say you're obedient, you will not be obedient. Because like, say, for instance, this happens. At your job, your boss gives you a task, right? He gives you a task, and if you're not willing to do the task according to his standards and what he expects from you, and you're not willing to do it, what do you think is going to happen? You're fired, right? Now, I think this guy, like, mastered that line, right? Donald Trump. You're fired. And the thing is, is that in the world, we can go to our workplaces and we can, we can have this heart of saying, I'm willing to do it because there's a paycheck on the line. But when it comes to serving God, then something changes sometimes within the heart. And saying, I'm not willing to do it because I'm not getting paid. I'm coming to church for myself. And that heart, I believe, is bogus. Because we need to be coming with a heart of willingness to serve God. Because here's the reality, folks, is that you're going to be serving God for eternity. Right? And and that's a great thing. But why not start practicing a heart of willingness of serving God and the mission that God has put before you? Because God has jobs for you today. He has jobs for you today. He has great missions for you. Uh, Many times we want to go on mission trips and we want to go out and share the gospel. And yes, we get to go fly to Honduras because that's exciting. We get to go to another country, a third world country, and share the gospel. But here's the reality is, is that every single day that you wake up, God has a purpose for your life. And he has a mission for you. But are you willing to take that mission? Are you willing to say, I'm here I am, I'm willing to serve you today, or is it, no, I don't really want to deal with it today, uh, I'm going to continue on my path? Well, that heart is not right. In, in fact, it goes against the obedience of God, and if it's our heart, we must repent from that, because as believers, we must do all things to the Lord Jesus Christ, first and foremost. Man comes second. It's just the way it is. I mean, when you say that Jesus is your Lord, understand what you're saying. Lord means master. Master means boss, right? When you put your faith in Jesus, when you confess that he is Lord, Romans 10, 9, you are confessing that Jesus Christ is your master, And you're saying that he is your father. He is your Abba. And, you know, when I was growing up, and it still is this for me today, my dad was the master of my house. He was the boss. And I respected him. I obeyed him. Therefore, we need to obey God. And when we do so, God will pour out his blessings upon us. You know, he told Israel all the way back in Deuteronomy, he said, you know, if you follow my commandments, blessed you will be. If you do not obey them, cursed you will be. 
God's pretty clear to us. And it doesn't stop with the children of Israel. It applies to those who believe in his name, to all mankind, is that he wants us to obey, but especially to believers who claim themselves to be believers. How much more should we obey God? We should obey God, right? And we are, yes, praise God, but it's a good heart check that we need to continue that heart. And this is for me too, you guys, that I need to remember that he is my Lord. And no matter what he calls me to do, if I don't want to do it or not, it doesn't matter. He is my master and I got to submit to him. I got to submit to him. So when Abba calls your name for a job, be willing to do the job to his expectations. Uh, Because it's worth it. He has a plan for it. And and God said this through the prophet Isaiah, you guys, about being willing. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Isaiah 1.19. What a great promise from God. If you are willing, obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But then he goes on in verse 20 of chapter 1. He says, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God's heart is is crying out. He is crying out for his people to be obedient. May that be our heart. May we be a church. May we be individuals that say, I am willing and I am obedient to God. Because if you are willing and you are obedient, then you will be blessed by God. You will be blessed. But if you rebel and you refuse, then you will be devoured. Pretty hardcore, but it's truth. So then we see in verses 10 through 30 that Saul gets devoured. Let's check it out, you guys. In verse 10, now the word of the Lord came up to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And, and it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told to Samuel, saying, Saul went up to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself. And he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Verse 16, Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet! I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Verse 18, now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Verse 20, and Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. There's so much more Pastor Eric would like to share with you, but we've run out of time for today. 
This has been another edition of Grace to the Hearers, the radio ministry of Pastor Eric Kluth of Calvary Chapel Coolidge in Coolidge, Arizona. Pastor Eric will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Samuel next time. You can order today's message for free by emailing us at info at grace to the Sometimes it's just easier to call. Our phone number is 520-723-7047. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 520-723-7047. You can learn more about Grace to the Hearers, Calvary Chapel Coolidge, and Pastor Eric at our website, gracetothehearers.com. All of Pastor Eric's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at gracetothehearers.com. Perhaps God spoke to you clearly through this message in 1 Samuel, and you need to review this message. Again, this message and many others are available to listen to or download for free at gracetothehearers.com. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to the Grace to the Hearers podcast. Subscribing is easy. Log on to gracetothehearers.com and follow the link, or simply search for Grace to the Hearers on the iTunes store. From all of the production team here at Grace to the Hearers, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Grace to the Hearers.